Welcome back to Mark's Madness, now part of the Chunk was Chunkaluta Network. Yeah, sure. Chunkaluta Network. <laughs> Woo, with Shimani too instead of Nathan. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I was Nathan. Now I'm Shimani. <laughs> I don't know. I I have. I guess he was right. We said I have been Nathan. Um, We gave him crap for that. But um, for those of you who uh, have not seen, that's actually why he quit. I know he said nothing's wrong, but that was the reason he quit. That's right. We ran him off. (laughs) Uh, No, for those of you who have not been part of this uh, on social media, uh, Nathan and and me started the Mark's Madness side of this uh, like four or five years ago, something like that, Um, and. Ba- or maybe it was three years ago, but we've no, been doing this like for a long time. Four years ago. It was four years ago. Okay, that sounds right. Yeah. And um, Nathan had to step back from health reasons. He'll still be helping us, you know, editing. He gave us a recorded boop, boop, doop. He's still part of this, but he will no longer be in front of the microphone unless some situation comes up. It's it's indefinite, so it may be permanent, but it's at least semi-permanent. Um, so it will be me and Shungmani too. Um, and if we, you know, rotate anyone else in at any point, but we're not worried about it right now because we are knee deep in the red deal and we will be getting that through that, uh, with you. And I guess with that, we're going to find our way and try to stay on track without Nathan, which is, has been interesting when we've tried that in the past. You know, I think it's kind of funny that with all the jokes about his absences and stuff, well, and yours too, that I did yeah. end up taking one of your places. <laughs> And then with like the new series that we have planned where none of you are involved, it's also going to be pretty weird for the viewers, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry I'm changing everything. Um, please, <laughs> please don't hate me. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of reactionaries in the audience like, fuck Shumani too. <laughs> I hope we're not bringing those in the audience, but I guess you can't control your audience. You just put out the politics and hope they... they... They were like, oh, I thought I only had to do a season with this idiot. (laughs) Hey, uh, I will have you know, I have been this idiot for four years on this thing. Hey. (laughs) Well, it's like, well, yeah, and I've been listening to you, so go figure it. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, we, we, of course, uh, are going to be doing some current events. uh, Mm -hmm. Hopefully won't go too long. And if they do, this will just be a current event episode. You'll yeah, know we... based on if it's 30 minutes or an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think the first one we want to to hit on, um, because it's just such a massive environmental disaster. And I think it, it's probably the biggest one. When, it's when, with the theme of the book. Yeah, it fits with the theme of the book. Um, and it kind of traces back, if anybody remembers, you know, a few months ago, too, because this factors into it. And I believe it was Norfolk Southern that was the big rail line that was pushing against this, but it could have been a few of them. Um, but uh, it because this is a Norfolk Southern train. Um, but basically, there was rail workers thinking about striking and they were looking at a strike. They had one set up um, and then like the president and all the Democrats like came in and nixed it like like made it totally illegal um for the rail workers to strike because they're too essential because they were getting like an what an off day a week or an off day a month something horrendous like that yeah and then they're like trying to uh no sick days yeah get some sick days and it's like yeah yeah and so they're overworked and now we have a situation and we touched on this and the earthquake that um you know, there's just a little to touch on these episodes oh Um, the earthquake what i thought i saw like 28 
recovered from the rubble still alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there like, are. It's it's shocking how many people and how young some of them are being recovered I saw, still alive. Like a freaking like year old kid, and I was just mm-hmm. like, like mm-hmm. my son's not even a year old, and that like hits on a whole new level now. Yeah, and that was buried for like three days and came out, thank God, alive. And yeah, well, yeah. So I was like reading about that, and I guess mm-hmm. like kids like they just have like this natural suckling. Uh, yeah thing so like if any water got to their mouth they're like yeah but it's like just i wonder like if that kid's like oh there's there's (laughs) gonna be some some issues yeah so um and and that is something again you know sanctions on on syria exacerbate that um it's something that is a disaster made much much worse by imperialism um and and that's really all we need to touch on there is like those sanctions sanctions kill and they really kill after a situation like that um but as far as the other thing that we touched on it was in east palestine ohio and this is like right at the top of the ohio river flowing down into the mississippi in in southern illinois so this is you know it'll go downstream towards mississippi just a major ecological disaster probably the worst one since something that was brought up because it got a lot of chernobyl comparisons and this was this is far worse than chernobyl and chernobyl was terrible but has been used for like three mile islands worse than fucking yeah like yeah, exactly. Ecologically speaking, yeah, and it's so it's one of those things where like you see the other ones, you're like one death, no deaths. Chernobyl, like you know, thousands of deaths, and it's like there there's 31 directly attributed to it. You know, if if you're gonna go by that measure, there's in the millions for Three Mile Island. Yeah, sorry, um, but the worst ecological disaster uh, to this point was in uh, Bhopal, India, and it was by Union Carbide, which has since been uh, inherited by Dow Chemical, uh, both American companies, um, where they were dumping... um, 15 years, just dumping the shit. Yeah, 15, and they had multiple gas leaks throughout the thing, but 15 years, uh, they were dumping, and let me see what it was, uh, methyl isocyanate, uh, or MIC, not military industrial complex, but might as well be. And Bhopal is like, I mean, this is center India, it's mass population. And so 600,000 people were affected, obviously livestock and, and ecology in the local area. And it wound up killing, the, the Indian government estimates say over 15,000. I've heard as low as 4,000, that seems they're ridiculous. they're still drinking water contaminated from mm-hmm. it. You know, like they're mm-hmm. still dealing with the ecological effects. And mm-hmm. like Dow, a chemical company says that all uh, legal matters are closed um, mm-hmm. when, like, y- you know, people are still developing illnesses because of this shit. Well, and and this is the the same kind of thing, you know. Uh, anytime you have any kind of ecological, they never really get cleaned up because that's too expensive for the company. It's just clean it up enough for PR. Like we know, Flint isn't actually better. Uh, we know. Uh, the indigenous group. Who, uh, who was it that the the lawyer that that's dealing with legal ramifications for representing the indigenous group against uh, Exxon? Um, oh, I don't know this, huh? Oh, uh, it's in like Central or South America. I'm suddenly blanking on all of it. Holy cow! Why am I blanking on all of it? Is, um, but obviously that's not cleaned up. You have Red Hill, um, Dozinger, um, and it's in Ecuador. Yeah. He's um, wow. He's on house arrest. Jesus. Yeah, he's been on house arrest because he dared to expose it and fight for them as lawyers. And it's against Chevron. I'm sorry, not Exxon. Yeah. Um, pretty close same, to the same thing. Same. Uh, yes. 
Um, you know, and that's of course one of the companies to... that ExxonMobil got broken up into, right? Mm-hmm. And that that of course is nowhere near cleaned up. Um, so you know, you see Red Hill nowhere near cleaned up, and this will Actually, not be cleaned. Red up. Hill's worse. They've yeah. been dumping more. Since. Yeah, yeah, it just keeps getting worse, and 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 that's exactly you know. So here in East Palestine, we have it's vinyl chloride, which for people that don't understand that that eventually becomes PVC. But that is gaseous at room temperature. It boils at like five or ten degrees, something like that. Well, and when it comes in contact with water, it turns into phos. <sighs> uh, what is it? Phosgene gla- gas? How's it pronounced? Uh, I, I acid rain. Let's just put it that way. That's people know it as acid rain. Yeah, acid rain. But yeah, uh, yeah. We we uh yeah we're fucked. But it's like phosphor phosphogenesis. It, yeah, I mean it's it's poison and livestock is dying they evacuated people from five miles out i believe someone said they like tried to blow it up or light it on fire the local police uh, did they, like a fucking no yeah rail. well yeah they lit all of the shit on fire and now just yeah and and it was already highly off. combustible and then they just lit it on fire on purpose and it looked it looked like a mushroom cloud like a like a atomic bomb except somewhere between jet black and very very dark green it was a horrendous color well, I mean, um, this is like legitimately like shit we used to do before. There was like filters on smokestacks. That's how shit mm-hmm. used to look back in the day. Like fuck. Yeah, and and I mean, we and, dealt with this shit before. This Come is ma- yeah, massive too. Like I mean, it's it's basically foggy for miles out. You could see the fucking cloud from the burn from an airplane. It it was just bad, right? And fish are. are washing up and frogs are washing up dead upstream i mean anywhere from uh beaver creek um which is like there's like beaver beaver creek the whole beaver region over there to the east um about like five or ten miles and then nine miles downstream there's the beaver region yeah (laughs) um I don't think they actually, the locals call it that, but I used to know someone from Ohio in college and we'd joke around and call it the Beaver Belt because all the towns are named Beaver there. It's just so that I have trouble not beavers, calling it that. There was just a bunch of beavers <laughs> up here that white people genocided. It's the classic story of America. Come and mm-hmm. kill it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and and down the other direction, down the Ohio River, like nine miles, the fish are washing up dead too. So, I mean, it's massive ecological disaster. Pets, livestock, all dying. And I believe last I heard, they're telling people, like, the water's safe to drink and they can move back in, which is just fucking ridiculous. Hey, um, I'm going to drink the water in Flint. Yeah, again, this is why I'm immediately thinking of Flint, why I'm thinking of, of Red Hill, why, I, you know. So, again, the, the best comparison is probably Bhopal, India, but people don't even hear enough about that. Uh, but this is going to be massively deadly, and it will have ramifications for decades, uh, for generations. You know, this is well. That's like going to be one of the great fucking hurdles of the revolution. Like, yeah, I mean, it causes liver uh, toxicity, pulmonary fibrosis, which is like respiratory failure, uh, hepatomaglia, which I don't even know what the fuck that is, but yeah, (laughs) I mean, bad. The the health ramifications of this, yeah, health ramifications are, are are awful, and that's that's you know. Specific ones. Also, there'll be birth defects and all kinds of things, right? Um, and this is in an era where COVID's, you know, rampaging and causing lifelong health issues. So, and think about, you know, stuff like Agent Orange in Vietnam and and the nuclear fallout in Fallujah. Like that stuff's still affecting people. This will be still affecting people generations from now. This is a massive, massive, and you're hardly hearing anything about it. 
Like national news has touched on it enough to say like, hey, look, but it's gotten kind of about the same attention of when, you know, uh, um, uh, was it uh, Merrill Lynch? Somebody had like a, a boat full of cocaine pull up in New York a couple years ago and, and that got what? buried. Or or the Panama Papers. That was a yeah, thing for Panama like a week. And the only thing that happened was one of the people assassinated the the reporter who reported on it, which, I mean, no real ramifications. This will be the same thing. It's getting buried nationally, technically touched on. You can technically say national news, recognize it, and someone can look it up and go, see, see. But we all know no one has any clue, clue what the fuck you're talking about Cargo if you haven't brought it up before. Owned by J.P. Morgan Chase. He's That's a J.P. Morgan Chase. 20 tons mm-hmm. of fucking cocaine. Yeah, and that story came and went so damn. There's so many stories like that, and this will be one of them. So local news is covering it, but a lot of the local reporters are getting arrested for doing too critical reporting. Uh, I mean, everything, everything people pretend that socialist countries from when the USSR was there to Venezuela or China or the DPRK now, everything they, they pretend they are, where it's like massive government conspiracy cover-ups and they arrest you if you speak against the government, everything everything some right-wing windbag has drummed up in their head about socialism is what we live in. You know, we have the largest prison population ever, right? Um, and the reporters are getting arrested. This is getting covered up pretty badly, and it's, well, it's just not going to get whistleblower-level attention. Well, and speaking of, like, Flint and stuff, you know, Jackson's uh, house yeah. has a white supermajority that voted to create a separate court system that expanded uh, the police force in the city. Uh, yeah, which is... to heavily black areas. So it's basically like it's it's a new black code on the town that is already dealing with ecological, you know, fallout um, from lead poisoning. I think it was lead. Um but but on their water right now. So, you know, this is nothing changes in this country uh, because it has to be completely overturned. Every time we make gains, those gains are important and they're important to defend. But they are temporary gains that will be pulled back. They are never permanent unless we take the entire thing, dissolve it and rebuild a real revolutionary state in its place. Or states. I mean, whatever or, works. <laughs> yeah, or states. I mean, again, it depends on, on the situation, right? Like every independent state gives more autonomy. Every state being grouped together gives more strength against counter-revolution. Um, you know, so it, it depends, you know, well, the, what, what is going to function is more autonomy versus balkanization. And, and it depends on, on how things go. You know, material balkanization, though, isn't when a country split up. That's no, problem. no. Balkanization when someone else splits a country up for them on. on ethnic well, and rights, also yeah. prevents the establishment mm-hmm. of socialism, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, but like, you know, if you're looking at how like if you're looking at indigenous led Turtle Island. Like the Achete Shekhoin's territory alone is a pretty good fucking chunk of Canada and the United States. So it's like, you know, who knows who's going to want to join that political body, but that political body will exist again. It is the closest to existing compared to any new project. I guarantee it. That is a fact. You know how I know? Because I know my own material conditions better than you. Crazy. Who would have (laughs) guessed? But we meet a lot every year talking about how to reestablish the Ochete Shachoin. And, uh, you know, that 
on only the U.S. side would be huge blow to the U.S. But an actual decolonial Achete Shakuin would extend again into Canada, and you would see, you know, these old relations um, either be pasted over or rehashed, you know, now that historical agency is regained. Um, and there's definitely some beef that we should have with certain groups. Like, I mean, like, I have a problem with Navajo working so closely with, like, Navajo's government, I should say, not the people, but the government works very closely with Raytheon and fucking a bunch of, like, they have, uh, like, their own standing military and fucking, it's a special forces for the U.S., basically, that has a little uh, extra leeway. Mm-hmm. And that that is something, too, just to touch on the current events, I won't get into too much, but they are, while they're covering up East Palestine and, and burying it, uh, the balloon saber rattling is, as ridiculous as it is, exactly what you thought. And so now there's supposedly, like, more unidentified flying objects, and, and you're just supposed to trust that they are because they're, like, they're... they're the government's finally airspace. admitting it. The government's getting ready to disclose alien mm-hmm. existence to us to usher in an era of messianic uh, uh, utopianism. I have the Urantia book right here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I mean, this is fascist shit. I, it's yeah, fascist shit. It, it is fascist. And, and so what they're doing is they're doing the signal and, and this clever saber rattling. They want to beef up security. They want to to saber rattle and you know be ready to bomb i mean this is exactly what we talked about when they said like climate change is a national security issue that they'll have sell, set up by 2050 this is the they're, so they're just shutting down airspace near military bases that people probably didn't even know were there you know um i, I think the latest one I, I saw was either in northern minnesota or northern michigan uh, but there was also something in montana um and they're just shutting Wait, down these where? airspaces where? uh let me look where? back at it What's this airspace? That what are they doing? Hold on, now I gotta look it up, which is, is this probably so, important. Is if this, this is current the events, this is to, the the implication is that our airspace is being violated, and they're doing this because of unidentified flying object threats. So yeah, you can tie it straight back to the balloons. Um, I'm so like, again, I'm in northern Michigan. Yeah, let me try to look where this is. Hold on, did you see those lasers? I did not see the lasers. <laughs> there was like some green lasers from space shooting what? down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some green lasers from space shooting down um, that are probably like uh, ecological survey lasers over oh uh, Hawaii, which I would imagine might be, you know, China seeing how much damage America is objectively doing since the report they published on Red Hill is now out of date already. Yeah. Oh, they apparently dumped more. They apparently called this off. So this was earlier today, and they were going to shut down over Lake Michigan, kind of up at the top of that that peninsula that sticks out of Wisconsin over to probably. Uh, I thought Green Bay was down in the bay, like inside. Well, the... yeah, no, but that's that's the bay. Yeah, the peninsula that yeah the bay that is Green Bay. Yeah, the the whole peninsula along the southern side. Kind of in there across to uh, Traverse City. So that whole region, they were going to shut down airspace for national defense. But they, I think they backed off it. But you can see 
like that annou- gets announced and then everybody's like, oh my God, there, there's a threat, right? I think Montana was the other one and I think that one did. Well, that's where they first identified the balloon. Yeah, yeah. And so basically they're 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 trying to drum up, like they're trying to saber rattle from their own actions to imply that there's other actions. They don't even have, you don't have to have a balloon. There was a balloon once and now they can shut down airspace and pretend there's a threat and everybody's scared. Um, and so, yeah, that saber rattling has just exploded. Well, I mean, um, it's all right out of, you know, UFO, PSYOP bullshit handbook where, you know, and I, it's all connected to Nazi shit. Check out the series that we got going on on the Chunkaluta Patreon. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> and, and for any grounded person, but that swallows up propaganda, though. Um, and I hate to say grounded and swallows up propaganda. Well, let's face what the majority of people in this country are doing. Um, but more grounded people that aren't believing in, in the alien fascist shit, but swallow up the fascist propaganda this com- country puts out anyway. They see that and they know UFO means unidentified flying object. And they're thinking, oh, foreign country spying threat. And of course, you know, we're, we're there. We're being invaded. And so, you know, it, it's it's saber rattling all the way down. So anyway, I guess we could continue the reading. Yeah, yeah, I guess we should. Um, we made it. Ta-da. Uh, we're on uh, page 85, area four, free and adequate health care. Under capitalism, a worker's worth is tied directly to their ability to generate profit. Once a body is broken and no longer able to perform labor for ruling class owners, capitalism does not hesitate to cut workers and their families loose from life-saving income and health insurance. But as the West so, Virginia... Okay, right. I have an anecdote in here. That's, mm, okay. Even now we see settler care taken in Canada encourage euthanasia, which I'm like, well, that's a little old considering that there's a Yale professor who that recommended mass suicide amongst Japanese elderly to solve their old elderly problem. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's that's Western caretaking for you. Yeah, yeah. Never, never underestimate Harvard, Yale, all those Ivy League schools of just being warmongering garbage, right? Um, and this is the problem with appeal to authority. You know, they're going to put people up there and be like, I have a political science degree from Harvard. Yeah, that just, like, I took a bunch of classes to to decide that everyone from the global south isn't human. Like, that's what that fucking means. Well, uh, uh, see, I have a friend that goes to Penn State, and he had, like, an economics class where uh, it was, like, a former, like, member of the World Bank. <laughs> and he was like, "Yeah, I've never heard so much bullshit in my life." And he's like, "And he was an African guy." I was like, "What African country?" And he goes, "Morocco." I was like, <laughs> "Kind of the West, huh?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine what people from other African countries think when they take that class. You know. Right, could you imagine like some person from like Kenya going in there and listening to yeah. this from Morocco spewing this like white racist shit about Africa? Nice. <laughs> Jeez. Uh so anyway, uh but as the West Virginia teacher Wildcat Strikes pointed out, having good health insurance still does not uh, guarantee adequate health care, nor is it affordable for the majority of workers who barely make enough after monthly premiums to pay for necessities like housing, food, education, and transportation. And let me tell you what, you can, you can have great health insurance. You need an x-ray? Like, fuck. Well, like, uh, my dad was on Blue Cross Blue Shield through his union and freaking, uh, 
you know, he was happy as hell when they raised the income minimum for uh, state insurance because then he qualified again uh, as long as he had a kid, you know, which he is my little brother. But uh, freaking like it's a vastly different free. Ins- it's better to be poor and have state insurance than to have like the best insurance, private insurance in Michigan. So, yeah, yeah, no, that that makes perfect sense and except the majority of people are even the people that are poor and have that state insurance you have to deal with all the other ramifications of of poverty er is not covered right sure you know like uh, there's not enough doctors uh, yeah transportation's an issue yeah, and they, and the way they do that billing, like all the doctors don't want to take it, and then quality like that. of healthcare, like up mm-hmm. here, like if you, if you cut off your thumb, they'll recommend you just go without your thumb mm-hmm. instead of going with surgeons up here because they're so few and far between. And this is how we put it: the only place they were able to get a job was the fucking UP. Mm-hmm. They are not the best of the doctors. Okay. Mm-hmm. Jeez, and then and then in between, uh, there's a whole spectrum in between of people that either have crappy health insurance or can't afford any. And for everyone that has, you know, employer-led health insurance, and you're tired of that employer, you leave the employer, you lose health insurance, you go on Cobra, which is fucking awful. Um, and of course, if you're getting the state health insurance, you can't make too much or get kicked off it. So you are always, always held powerless in some way over health insurance because it is not universal and state driven even if you think well of course give it to the poor people not the rich person this is what it not being universal does you're always tied down on employment from health insurance and even when you have it it's garbage and even if we did have universal health care you still need a separate indigenous health care system sure yeah yeah you still need a better yeah can't be trusted you can't you can't just say free healthcare because you get the same thing you get like public transportation here or some of the free healthcare in, that's declining in places uh, like Great Britain and stuff where it, it's even you know beloved by the people of the country and it's great that it's it's way better than here, but it doesn't get the funding it needs because it's a capitalist system that that doesn't prioritize that right and and even here you can't even just like snap your fingers and convert it um, like you said you know you have these white led healthcare and there's policies you know there's there's hospitals that refuse to do um family planning you know there's there's all kinds well, of if you go like into some hospitals near a border town with a panic attack you're going to get accused of drug seeking mm-hmm. uh if you have stress about that situation they are going to call police into the room mm-hmm. when police get called into the room they are going to grab their gun when you start talking loudly because yes. obviously that warrants grabbing your gun. <laughs> and then it escalates from there. Mm-hmm. You know, this is very common. It's very normal. I know some people trying to sue a local hospital of ours, you know, for civil rights discrimination. Like personally, I've experienced it there in their psychiatric unit. You know, it's like shit's not okay. <laughs> you know? And, and, yeah, you and you have other, you know, um other ramifications from uh medical racism um things like you know assumptions that uh medical bigotry of all kinds you know medical misogyny and racism so assumptions that like black people or women are more tolerant to pain and so they're slower to take painkillers well and that's just like ingrained in the subconscious mm -hmm. we don't even realize that this was like perpetuated by science white academia 
You right. know, this this was perpetuated by a settler colony's version of science, i.e., race science. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and fucking like hurt a lot of people and still does today because of the stigmatization. Well, you know? in in anything, you know, we've talked about like the problems of public schools, and yet public schooling is one of the best, you know outputs of reconstruction and it's a complicated same thing with healthcare, right? You have like, if you go talk to like an emergency room nurse, right? Most ER nurses don't really have an opinion of cops. Some are the most disciplined anti-cop people because they've had to protect patients from cops bullshit. And some are super pro cop because they just talk to them every day. Like you're going to have these idiosyncratic groups um, of, you know, left to most or the moderate, which is right wing and white supremacists in this country to reactionaries. And they're all going to be, you know, given the same. They have a micro police station in our hospital. Mm. It's like, that's Mm. fucked. You have a little police station. That's super fucked. You're that like, should be they're one place to like, criminalize people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if we gave one shit about the stuff that like HIPAA is supposed to 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 protect, I, police oh, would be like banned from the hospital. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, they would be banned. Um, but this this you know the, this country loves cops and loves its racism and and is just there to to, to beat you down. That's what it fucking is. It's it's there for the ruling class. Um. People attempting to use their private or employer-provided health care insurance are routinely met with a web of confusing bureaucracy, hidden charges, denials for necessary procedures, and limited pharmacy form, form, formularies? Formularies. I don't know what that word means. I ain't got insurance. <laughs> um, in other words, the current health care system in the United States is failing working class people. Meanwhile, capitalism dictates every other aspect of healthcare. Pharmaceutical companies drive up prices for essential drugs like insulin, leading. To I mean, all drugs, all drugs. I mean, oh, sure, insulin's like kind of the hospital will but charge you all drugs. Twenty five dollars for a fucking pill of aspirin. Mm-hmm. Where, where does it cost that? I can get like eight bottles of aspirin for twenty five bucks. Like, I don't know about that anymore, but like. You you used to be able to buy a fucking a lot of aspirin for twenty five dollars. I guess I haven't bought aspirin in a while, but yeah, I think I think insulin's kind of the go to because it's cheap everywhere else. It costs a few pennies to make, and it's life or death for people. And oh, yet, sure. like even with insurance, you're paying you know hundreds. Well, of Donald dollars Trump had a deal in place where like Walmart would sell it for like forty bucks or something like that. Yeah, and like but like everybody else would charge an arm and a leg. <laughs> it's just cool. Like, <laughs> money in walmart's pocket that's awesome yeah yeah and te- i mean they got they got supplemented the money they discounted to the fucking sure consumer, sure oh know, yeah because of course write-offs and shit like that yeah they would never be made to sell it at a reasonable cost they would be reimbursed donald right? trump it's... made a made a heck of a deal everyone look mm-hmm. it's the best deal you ever seen mm-hmm. it's it's it, again it's it's like how we Oh, we're going to fund research against disease, like cancer research or something. You know, those like pharmaceutical companies are just eating that shit up and then they're going to charge you an arm and a leg for cancer treatment chemo. Like, I'm glad we have the cancer treatment, but those aren't the charities you think they are. Um, It's just going to fucking corporations. Oh, we got a whoop whoop thingy. Let's see, leading to unnatural deaths because people who cannot afford medication attempt to ration or replace their drugs in dangerous ways. 
Driven by greed, doctors receive kickbacks from pharmaceutical companies to overprescribe addictive medications like opioids, which have caused tens of thousands of overdose deaths in the United States alone. An estimated 2.7 or I'm sorry, 27.5 million people, 8.5% of the US population, went without health insurance in 2018, directly contributing to more deaths. And in 2019, fewer than half of American households could afford $400, a $400 health emergency, even if these families had what it considered good health insurance. Almost as many people report that a $1,000 health emergency would put them on the streets and at risk of going hungry. And this Cons isn't even considering like people who just can't get their medication because of shortages right now. Yeah, yeah, or or if they live somewhere where it's difficult to like, get I, to Like, I've had health emergencies due to shortages already, and mm -hmm. it's only getting worse. It's only going to get worse, you know? Like, it, it's going to get rough out there. It's going to get rough. Yes. Uh, consider this. The cost of a motorized wheelchair for a person requiring mobility assistance can be anywhere from $15,000 to $30,000, which is the equivalent to one year's salary for minimum wage workers. And that I is mean, like, that's, that's a brand new car. That's seven times the average income on my res. That's How are just, they affording that? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, and that's motorized, but when you don't have a motorized wheelchair, you either need, you know... I don't think people realize how many different types of wheelchairs there are, but they're all the more independent they are, the more expensive they are, you know, and it's very difficult. And, and some people, you know, that need a motorized wheelchair to just wheel along with the, the wheel grip ones. There's also ones that like someone has to push you like mm -hmm, old people mm -hmm. need an electric chair, you know? Yep. Um, some of the cheaper ones have smaller wheels. Um, and that way they can be cheaper and be a smaller, more compact wheelchair than get around, but then it's not going to go on like muddy or rough terrains. Um, you know, I, I, I know my uncle, uh, it takes a lot more strength to move the wheels. Yes. I know. I know my uncle for, for my dad's funeral, we had to get a different wheelchair than he normally uses, uh, because his wheelchair would not go on the grass terrain. Um, so, you know, it's not I unusual just... for people to need multiple wheelchairs. Right, I was a certified nursing assistant, so I mm -hmm. like I'm used to all the varieties and switching mm -hmm. people between them. It's a mm -hmm. lot of work to do your daily activities of living when mm -hmm. you're in a wheelchair. So independence, like, is I mean, like the look on somebody's face who hasn't peed by themselves in 15 years is a very yeah. depressing plead when they say, "I just want to stand." one more time by myself yeah. before it's too late. Yeah. And, and let's be very clear. Clean. Yeah. And let's be very clear. Like this is advocacy for wheelchairs and they get kind of stigmatized. Like the fucking term for, for wheelchair mobile people that gets thrown around is wheelchair bound. And it's like, no, we're not wheelchair bound. That's what's, that's what's helping people get around. Right. Um, but you know, wheelchair users, they, they have a level of dependency on certain wheelchairs. And so if they can't get these nice ones, these $15,000 ones, um, which also take, take maintenance, you know, they have batteries, they oil, they like, I mean, like mm -hmm. literally just maintaining the classic aspects mm -hmm. of mechanical movement. Exactly. And, and so it's very expensive for people that have limited employment in a world that expects employment to be your provider. Well, and then if, you do happen to have employment are they accommodating for your ability yes yes and that's you know another thing ableism in employment is massive 
Right. And, and ableism and recreation, you know, it's incredibly ableist, the whole rush to get people back out during COVID. Of course it is because they, they just wanted people back to work and didn't care if you live or die. I wouldn't say it's ableist. I'd say it's eugenesis. Yes. There we go. Eugenesis. That, that is the correct uh, term. Um, But also you're getting back to recreation that for a long time fails in accessibility. Um, You know, I mean, some restaurant opens in an older building and they're not going to spend the money to make things accessible, which you would think would be basically basically required, right? Well, what's uh, they're stupid only gonna is they're the not going to pay that even though they just got a bunch of money mm-hmm. from the state to stay mm-hmm. open. Mm-hmm. It's like invest in new COVID features. Yeah, yeah. And and we're talking about, you know, wheelchair users and, and wheelchair mobility because that that's an obvious one. That's why it's it tends to be the big symbol for accessibility. But it is a very small percentage of a, a massive bevy of um, disabilities out there that lack accessibility in the workplace in well, everyday like ADD life. people, especially mm-hmm. like as somebody who struggles with it unmedicated, like, and I mean, there's a shortage of Adderall too, even if I have yes. medication, you know, like, but it's, it's hard to actually accomplish tasks when you can't stay focused on one, you know, well, it's also detrimental to capitalist production. Mm-hmm. Also one of, one of the big trendy things now is uh, extended release medications, and the thing about people those are like four hundred dollars. <laughs> my oh my crazy god, expensive. my ex, my medication went from forty bucks without insurance to three hundred and seventy dollars without insurance. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Well, well, the thing about extended release is when you have to like self regulate your medication and you don't have enough, so you're like using it to substitute for other stuff. You can get yourself in a real bind because what builds up in your body is not the medicine you need when you have those extended release. It's the chemical that makes it extended release and then it starts fully blocking the medicine and you have to flush it entirely out of your body, which is already difficult enough if someone has like extended release Adderall and they have they have ADHD or something like that, but if you have extended release um like people with sclerosis that take like carbidopa levodopa, right? I you know you have extended release and you have to go a day and let that out of your body while your muscles You said are a Dr. Seuss word. Carbidopa levodopa? <laughs> it's it's the most common medication for people with sclerosis. So um, Lou Gehrig's disease, Parkinson's, oh. that kind of stuff. And then it's counteracting medicines, um, you know, can be anywhere from like Comtan and, and things like that. I, we need like a laugh track and then like yeah. an audience going, eee, whenever <laughs> we make like a cringe, you know? <laughs> Um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, stuff like that, like you're, you're, you know, not getting your medical need, you're, you're writhing in in pain essentially. And there's other, you know, medical conditions that have extended release medicine. So that, that's really trendy because it helps people regulate stuff, but you have these situations where you run out of a medicine and there's a shortage or you don't have the money for another one and you start taking extended release. Now none of your medicine works or you're stuck just not taking it at all. Like what kind of choice is that for people? Right. It's the same kind that capitalism always offers us, right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, which is equivalent to one year salary for minimum wage workers. How are working people supposed to pay for these costs? Many will choose to work instead of seeking care because the costs are so prohibited. The choice of feeding and clothing their families takes priority. This lowers the quality of clothing their family. No, God damn it, that was a bad line read. This lowers the quality of life for all and proves that what counts as health care under the capitalist system is simply inhumane. We want health care that values everyone's life, and we do mean everyone. 
There are like, several. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I, I was also going to just take over. Yeah, yeah. Save, save your voice. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, uh, I was going to say, like, when, when they say we do mean everyone, it means like prisoners and anybody in a re education camp after the revolution. Like, these people deserve health care. Yeah. It, it's a human right. It's like water, mm -hmm. shelter. You know, these are things we must provide to even the Nazis. This is one of those cases where it's not, what about the civil liberties for the fascists? No, this is just human rights and that we're going to be decent to the people who genocided us the very least they can at least live to work for us you know atone for their sins i don't know uh, <laughs> but there are several interrelated areas of healthcare that need our urgent and special attention including trans health nutrition disability elder care reproductive health dental health which is falsely seen as separate from health insurance behavioral and mental health abortion addiction and HIV AIDS treatments. And all of these have become far more important yeah. than this book thought, considering TRN is gender critical now. Uh, oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Most people don't know that. You know, uh, hold them accountable, please. Uh, they really need to be called out for that bullshit. Uh, mm -hmm. But you know, they're making laws to reverse people's transitions in reactionary states. Jeez. That's insane. Yes. Yes. And and we've talked about, you know, how life threatening some of these these laws are and, and how they tie in to misogyny and anti-abortion stuff, too. It's all interrelated. Well, and then it's going to tie into mental health concerns when you mm -hmm. start forcibly stripping people of their identity and <laughs> reversing like years of hormone therapy. Oh my God. You are mm -hmm. going to fuck up people because mm -hmm. you're a bigot. Yep. Um, but also I, I'd like to addendum this too, because we all understand the, uh, the concept of service animals and additionally, um, you know, we know like what pets do, how much we care about them for mental health. And we also know that we care about the humanity, being humane to animals across the board, hence, you know, opposition to like factory farming and things. So something that I think also needs to be reminded when we go into healthcare is, uh, veterinary care should really be provided as oh, well. Oh, sure. I mean, well, yeah. So like there's two options, right? I was once a part of something called climate Stalin for any of you old heads out there from back in the day and the central committee suggested that we genocide all pets basically systematically sterilize all of them and it's like that's certainly an option yeah let's not do that don't let your cats go feral that's incredibly destructive to the local ecology what if what if but veterinarian care pets christ yeah what if veterinarian care included education yes on proper animal handling mm -hmm. and that, that is another thing too like because this is also a education battle. is part of yes health Yes, education is a big part of healthcare, and we know that that's been a battleground with like sex ed for for decades. Well, that's why um, education preceded this, right? Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> but sorry, yeah, the book already said it, right? <laughs> I didn't know if you were going to continue shut on with that. But... No, 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 no. I was going to say, like, shut up and read the book, but, like, in reverse, because, you know, we're just so bad about that. Yeah, it's like, shut up, the book already read it, you forgot, because it's been months. <laughs> we need to get Nathan to record, shut up and let the book read. Yeah, shut up and let the book read. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nathan, we have some bite work for you. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Sorry, sorry. Let's uh, shut up and let the book read. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody stop me. (laughs) So we can address these by organizing direct health services for unsheltered and poor relatives, including providing regular free and nutritious community meals, distributing Narcan to prevent opioid overdoses, Offering needle exchanges, handing out free condoms. Uh, we can also organize campaigns to help new mothers. Um, a new significant portion of childbirth-related deaths happen in the weeks and months after birth, not during the birthing process itself. Contemporary reproductive health practices completely ignore follow-up care for new mothers, and mothers are often marginalized in ableist activist culture. Uh, we can and should change how we organize for liberation to center mothers, families, and children. Um, which I'm not going to get into that, but uh, it's ironic that they say that anyway. Uh, <laughs> but on the side of that, you know, there's mental health concerns when it comes to mothers and fathers, um, you know, uh, post uh, what uh, postnatal depression is common for both parties. Uh, a lot of it's due to social normality, well, social stigmas and uh, like feeling um Mm -hmm. inadequate i guess as a parent you could say um postpartum healthcare is is always of a massive need well on top of that organizations need to think about the child care itself yes you can provide child care as an organization not only are you going to free up members but you have an opportunity to connect with the community bring in money and provide a cheaper alternative to the capitalist childcare available near you, uh, where you're basically at the ground level educating children if you want to. Well, also like on a good childcare. What what is the best thumb against patriarchy? Right, is breaking out from from subjugation of. Um, women as just the ultimate, you know, family caretakers and anyone as a parent, who's going to care the most about the future? It's going to be parents that actually care about their children. Um, And parents that care about their children are going to need childcare or they're not going to be able to participate in the political project. Well, and that's like our biggest issue is like childcare. Like I'm the main, like, you know, every, she goes off to work, I stay home, you know, and that's fine by me. I don't have a problem with that. I'm able to work just fine at home, you know, but then also if I want to like, you know, if she wants to have a life, frankly, you know, like uh, what it comes to like me getting because it's a full time job. Right. And so she wants That's to make sure that I get a break, too. Right. Yeah, but then all I of a sudden it's I, like, when's her time for a break? I love the full time job thing because it expresses something that everybody understands. And I hate it because it underestimates like there is no job that will or should ever take the amount of time 
and, and yeah, full time actually probably like, isn't the best. It word. Way underestimates being it, a parent. Yeah, it's like a salary job at a fast food restaurant, and you're the assistant manager, not even. Manager. <laughs> you're not making the schedule. You're just filling your role, eh? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, because- every shift is a twenty four hour shift unless you find someone to cover part of it. Basically, right. Well, that was me as a CNA, let me tell you. But uh, because they are a collective and working class grassroots organization, often practice. Wait, what? Oh, because they are collective and working class grassroots organizations often practice lateral caretaking, especially for those who have been abandoned by society because they are poor or considered abnormal. Caretaking often comes in the form of assisting relatives with material needs like food, transportation, housing, and education that they would not receive otherwise. Grassroots organizations are also often safe places for relatives who experience social violence in their homes or families. We encourage people, especially youth, to join a grassroots organizing effort. Organizing with other people creates a social context of accountability and relationality that helps with a number of health-related issues such as anxiety, stress, and depression related to alienation, isolation, and undercapitalism. Instead of taking our anger out on ourselves or our families, organizing allows us to channel our feelings into concrete steps that facilitate our liberation. To put it simply, organizing makes you feel good because you are supported and part of a group working towards a common destiny of well-being. Build grassroots organizations. I'm going to say, though, there's a there's a saying that you should only use an exclamation point twice in your career. They use three. In that <laughs> that's, that's just an editorial thing. Okay? I, I, yeah. There's just a lot of exclamation points. It's a really excited chapter. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's, I, we'll probably wrap it up there. We're looking like that at, at time and we got through a section. We got through a section, folks. Just we, saying, we're, uh, yeah. you know, Nathan yeah. was actually the one holding us up. It was that's yeah. right. Yeah, you get through your section just fine. <laughs> <laughs> just blame everything on Nathan. That was that's going our around. new thing. Blame everything on Nathan. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, what what do we do the, the plugs, Shimani, too? Oh, yeah. So, new plugs, eh? So, this is, of course, Mark's Madness, the regular kind on Chunkaluta Network. You're not aware of that joke yet, but one day you will be. We're trying to come up with a name for the other ones, and Alejandro put forth... Well, I put forth Mark's Madness after dark because, like, the dark skin, and oh, that turned God. into that turned into darksist man. Or no, darks madness. That's what it was. So stupid. So bad. It's so bad. But <laughs> I'm um, washing my hands of that conversation. I was not yeah, part of it. I should not be part of it. White guy was not part of it. It's completely legal. <laughs> Can't cancel us. Too many minorities involved, actually. Uh, <laughs> I think the only person we were missing was an Asian person. But <laughs> so bad. I'm going to cut this all, please. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know, Nathan. You be the judge. But uh, <laughs> very bad jokes were made, and you'll hear them. 
you know, they weren't that bad, but they're no. definitely bad in this context, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they're definitely awkward. Yeah. However, uh, we're, you know, a growing collective of podcasts that are actually hoping to um, foster, I guess I would say, a community that encourages and uplifts one another and uh, tries to push a coherent political narrative uh, for communists to rally behind in this dire moment as conditions ripen. Um, to me, uh, we could have a revolution tomorrow were we all aware and educated enough of what the conditions really were. Uh, I am in a uniquely privileged position to have experienced a lot of the United States compared to most people in a very short amount of time over the last two years during COVID which is definitely one of the more extreme times to be seeing everything. Um, because of that, I, I have taken it upon myself uh, to try to push my friends in podcasts uh, to, you know, form a coherent line and uh, combat the patriotic socialist social chauvinism. That's just a rehash of Kotsky's uh, infantile disorder, Lenin, quite clearly... <laughs> refuted in what is to be done and that is the moment we are in we are in a moment where we need to know what is to be done and so our hope is with a podcast like this right uh that david and nathan started so long ago is that we might be a, a, a another voice in, in your you know cadres or in your life that you might not have or that might be offering a different perspective. And that's definitely why I'm here is that I have such a different perspective compared to most of the nation, right? And that's because I'm not from this nation. I'm Ochete Shachoin, which means seven signal fires. Specifically, I am Tetawan Oglala Lakota, which means people of the plains who spread themselves and are friends. I, if you were like to like break it down into actual English. You know, along with that, you have Medawakata, you have Minikonju, you, you have uh, Itaja Picho, you, you, there's a bunch of, uh, you know, Hanghapa, you know, we have a lot of different subgroups within the Tetawan itself. Uh, and like most commonly, people signify the Ochete Shakhoim by the Nakata, Dakata, and Lakata languages. But even then, that's not totally accurate to the total encompassment of our political. Um, sphere i would say uh and like a lot of people don't realize that we were the last great nation on this you know continent before the settler colonists decided that they would take us on um with that we have the unique privilege of knowing how it all happened unfortunately we come out of a countercultural, uh i would say class struggle with the Aztecs, and we establish a moneyless, classless, stateless society, practically, uh, that only has to solidify a state in face of Western expansion. So that, to me, would be more advanced by a Marxist definition. And that's, you know, why I'm here. And I've kidnapped Nathan and stuffed him in the closet where I was kept. Um, that's Nathan's reservation now. <laughs> I'm starting the first white boarding school. Uh, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs>
you get it. There, there we go. go. <laughs> Freaking um no, it's uh but you know, Mark's Madness is in an interesting spot moving forward where uh the ship has turned a direction, so to say, that I hope means people will have some of their bigger questions answered in these moments because I feel like the basics have been covered. And going into Gramsci next and struggling with cultural hegemony is, of course, very, very helpful to understanding how the mind of a settler colonial society works and really the uh, cluxus behavior of white people in leftist spaces, right? Um, this mob mentality, so to say, for lack of a better word, um, that back in the day resulted in postcards of lynchings. Jeez. So, you know, the history of this country only 60 years ago is garbage. And we have a lot of work to be done. So what is to be done is that we need to move forward together in this direction on this road that I call the Red Road or the Chunkalutha. That's where the name comes from. It's a philosophy in Lakota culture that uh, means like a good way of being in relations to everything. Um, a lot of our philosophy is centered around Matahie Oyasin, which we've covered in depth here. And um, more importantly, which is the sacred hoop or um, the circle of life, which this, these are the ways I would describe dialectics in Lakota. This is how I would explain it to my people. And because we have this, these concepts that are thousands of years old, I'm able to explain it in two words to my people. You need marks. And that's the difference. It's that the immortal science has come to us in a way that is unique to us as it should. And now we have the words to articulate it to you. And that's what Engels meant by all, hitherto all written history is the history of class struggle. So Marx Madness has now entered into writing that history of class struggle here on this continent. And that's the contribution we hope to still make with this show, as well as continuing to provide you with the same education, same jokes, and same format that I feel y'all have come to love and enjoy. Um, and, and now cool sound effects. And now cool sound effects that, well, cool <laughs> maybe. Many, yeah, maybe isn't the best we might word. get tired but, of them real fast. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> but. You know, I, I I think, you know, we're going in the right direction. And I think there's a lot of um, potential. And I think a lot of people see that. And I think um, y'all are going to like where things go. And I hope this disclaimer and plugs that didn't really plug anything, which at Bands Island for Twitter, uh, at Mark's Bandis Pod, uh, at Chunkaluta 1973, all on Twitter, Bands of Turtle Island at gmail.com, chukaluta1973 at gmail.com, marksbandispod at gmail.com, or Discord. You can find us. We're also in the middle of making a Patreon Discord that's going to be open to the public, as Mark's Bandis podcasts are for. But like the Patreons might get like exclusive like movie nights or some shit. I don't know. 
I don't know. But uh, the important the important political work is free because we need that free. for everyone. Exactly. Want, but a reason to to do it because otherwise nobody will. Subscribe. Well, so the reason why I'm suggesting the Patreon, which is a normal for Mark's Madness, is because what we want to do is we want to pay transcriptionists a fair rate of two dollars per transcription minute, as well as provide them foot pedals. Uh, the style guides and books necessary to understand the complexities of indigenous issues and uh, uh, make sure that um, people can be involved in things like this in a way that's less alienated um, because there's a, there's a very big uh, social hierarchy almost in the left right now and where you have like certain academic Marxists that are way up here at the top, like Vijay Prashad and like Richard Wolf, blah, blah, blah. I mean, like mm -hmm. you'll find that a lot of people are disillusioned with stuff like that very quickly, but you still see these, you know, big names pop up that, you know, seem almost um, ethereal and unable, you, you can't reach them, right? Like Gerald Horn or Max Aiel, you know, like these are all people that I've spoken to, but it, it to other, Biscar, even Jacobin, you know, mm -hmm. like these, these are people that are like, you can only imagine how they are in person, right? And it's like, you, I don't know, it's, I know a lot of people who know all these people, you know, it's no big deal to me. I'm not name dropping when I say that. I'm just somebody who's been around the movement a bit. You know, I'm young still. I haven't been around the movement as some like Vijay has been around. Where, yeah. Or Rick from Vijay Decolonized Buffalo. Around and, yeah. yeah, they're they're old and freaking they've they've seen some <laughs> shit. Whereas, you know, I'm new and young and I've read a bunch of their shit and I've spoken with them and worked with some like people like colleagues of theirs like Nick Estes and stuff but that's you know uh don't meet your heroes you don't want to meet your heroes it will really fuck with your head about the communist movement in the U.S. trust me you know it is better to not do this like if it was up to me these wouldn't have to exist because public education would teach you it you know <laughs> uh ideally we have like real schools where kids can actually communicate with one another and not get COVID because we actually care about them and take proper precautions. That's yeah. something that's happening in Knoxville, Tennessee right now. Right. Knoxville, Kentucky. I don't remember where Knoxville is. Tennessee. Tennessee. Right. Okay. That's, I thought so. Okay. Don't, don't kill me, Knoxville people. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Knoxville, but, Kentucky, who the fuck? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like, there's a lot of amazing projects that could be taken up by the movement right now. And I think we are so stuck in this place where we're like, we're not ready yet. We're not ready yet. That nobody's willing to move forward and actually push for a real program that changes things in their community you know we see these book clubs and stuff and maybe like you know nearby i have ashland wisconsin where a cpus person's on uh city council but what communist policies have gone through yeah has has the cpusa not only become more of a democratic tailist you know they're not pushing any i've tried to join that branch they don't want me. The only explanation I can have, because they usually take everybody, including freaking infrared people, is that they know I'll stir up a storm. 
that will probably not get them reelected, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm an indigenous person and there's a 50 foot statue of a fucking of Hiawatha supposedly, but he's dressed like sitting bull freaking down the street. Every time I go to get Chinese takeout, mm-hmm. I, I staring right at it, you know, like I, it's very easy to walk to it. it it's the largest Indian statue in the world, apparently. Mm. So it's just, you know, uh, yeah, that's horseshit, you know, and it's considered normal. And Ashland is an hour away. You know, uh, there's a reservation right next to them in between my town and theirs. So if you're looking at the Communist Party that's supposed to be serving my area, you know, according to them, what what are they doing to serve Indian people who are in between me and them? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Communists I know who have bigger platforms than us, who are who parents live in the same town as me, mind you. And I'm not going to throw shade, but you know who you are if you're listening. Uh, you know. Why don't why don't you talk about these issues more? This this is your town. I moved here just this year and I, I feel like I know as much as you do. You know, just from our brief conversations, I wish I knew you more. But you know, this is a problem across America, across white communist spaces. Trust me, as somebody who's talked to black communists, somebody who's talked to Asian communists, blah, 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 blah. You know, insert whatever minority group you want. Most people tend to have better politics on it than people who are upholding America. Well, it's also, rights communism. It's also when people start spouting the, the liberal mm-hmm. bullshit and trying to bring people in those groups towards liberalism and away from socialism. That's what they point to. Right. And it, it makes people more amenable to abandon that. And that's, you know, that, that makes people more open to like anarchism or liberalism rather than something more revolutionary. So right. I mean, they, they point it out and they go, how is that revolutionary? And they somehow can then go, well, anarchism must be the best if the CPUSA, the Communist Party of the USA, is promoting democratic tailism. Because the argument is, is it's to vote against fascism. However, how has Biden been a vote against fascism? Not one bit. They're saber rattling like hell. I mean, that's what you need to be out there organizing, right? You need to be organizing against victims of environmental disasters, like we talked about. It'd be one thing if they were voting green, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or even libertarian, even libertarian. You know, and I mean, that's a little bit of on the nose about the right wingness of it, right? But, you know, at least if you were voting third party over Democrat or Republican, you might actually have uh, an argument. You know, but you had 5,000 members, you had them vote for Biden. It meant nothing. It meant less than the Indian vote. Mm -hmm. That takes an accomplishment. Biden even go to our shit. Third parties did. Communists didn't. In fact, PSL fucked over Leonard Peltier's clemency. And they don't talk about it and they label it health concerns. That's an issue. That's an issue. That's cover up. Nobody really knows that unless I talk to them about it. 
you know, it's it's fucked up. And even their uh, run in 2016 with Dennis Banks before he died, uh, they tricked him into saying he'd run. Gloria Lariva shows up, serves a couple hot dogs, writes an essay, leaves. So our vanguard parties aren't vanguard parties. They're barely liberal parties. You know, <laughs> they're money siphons. All you can do as a principal leftist is find other principal leftists there and take them with you as you try to form a real cadre and try to form a vanguard yourself. That's all you can do. And maybe if enough of us are doing that, we might get to a point where we can unite effectively. That, that's my idea. <laughs> and you're never a vanguard party until you see yourself at the vanguard <clears throat> revolutions are rough and tumble you're always a potential vanguard party right exactly and every every cadre should be striving to be a vanguard mm -hmm. party uh because democratic centralism does not exist right now it doesn't you might you might adhere to it as a principled person but the rest of your comrades are not <laughs> unfortunately um and i respect people who still Holy shit, did you hear that snow? Was that snow? That was fucking snow. Jesus. Anyway, Jesus, that was loud. Holy fuck, that was like a person falling. <laughs> but yeah, you know, we have a lot of work ahead of us. What is to mm. be done is that we all need to be leaders. We all need to step up and fucking try our fucking hardest to be Lenin. Don't LARP as him. Actually strive to be as good as Lenin. Because in doing so, you'll at least be a little bit fucking better than right now. Everybody has room to improve. Everybody. Every single person. I, I know especially where I need to improve. You know, I have a list of books. I have a list of exercises I need to be doing more regularly. You know, that's where I struggle the most is exercising. You know, and that, that's hard for a lot of people finding that time. Uh, I still get outside and I do a lot of stuff, but it's like actually dedicating time to exercising and strengthening my body in preparation for the hardships to come is something I'm very bad at and something a lot of people are bad at and need to be considering because the time Some, is a lot closer than you realize. Something like childcare that needs to be more collectivized. Yeah. Well, and, and like with childcare, oh my goodness, it's mm -hmm. yep. like we we need effective child care as a movement we need it every cadre should be making that a part of it uh, helping depression and anxiety needs to be something that we know how to do as cadres it it has to be not not because um you know some you know we need to make sure everybody feels okay and safe no it's because it is now life or death in cases because mm -hmm. the suicide rates are increasing as Climate change worsens and people are becoming more disillusioned with the lies they're being told because that's all that's happening. We're all just working away until we die yep. and it's only getting worse. And if we don't stand up and kill capitalism, it will kill everything before it dies. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's not a case of it's easier to imagine the end of the world before the end of the capitalism. It's that capitalism has such a stranglehold on the world that if we do not do our part, it is going to poison the rest of Earth for such a long time. It will have irreversible effects on it for millennia. Yeah, I pretty, mean, 
Oh, oh, sorry. Uh, well, I was going to say future archaeologists are going to unearth a layer of cigarette filters, and that's what we'll be known for. All right, we're going to wrap up real quick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, this right. is a great uh, place. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I was going to say, like, it's important that because people have bought into the, the, the lies and the propaganda too long. But just remember, disillusion isn't revolution. In fact, if anything, it could lead to, to fascism. It's education and hope that draws people out. And people are amenable to that when you're doing the things you should want to do anywhere, caring for people that need it. So go out there and do that. And with that, this has been Mark's Madness Pod. We read books. My name is Nathan. Oh, oh my name is Nathan. God damn it. <laughs> We're all Nathan. My now. name is David. I'm so used to him signing out. I actually said that twice. It's the second time that's happened. All right. My name is David. David. He always goes first. My Nathan. name is my name is Shunkthan. <laughs> we are all Nathan friend. like Spartacus. And we will see y'all next week. Bye. Bye.